but who do you say that I am? Do you have an answer to that question? If I went to each one of you before you left Mass today and said, who is Jesus? Would you have a three-sentence or less answer of who Jesus is to you? Whether you do or whether you don't, take a second right now and come up with one for yourself. Who is Jesus in your life? Who is he for you? Now think again. If you had to tell another Christian who is Jesus, how would you answer them? Three sentences or less. And then if you... Thanks, Jim. And if you had to tell an atheist who is Jesus, three sentences or less, what would you say? This is something that we should have very close to our mind and to our heart. Because who Jesus is determines everything about how we live our Christian life. There's a reason that this question actually comes right at the center of Mark's gospel. It's a turning point in the gospel of Mark. From this point forward, Jesus is no longer teaching and doing as many miracles in the gospel of Mark. He's moving towards the cross, which we hear in this gospel in itself. But the answer to that question, who is Jesus? The church took over 800 years to debate the answer to that question. The creeds that we pray at Mass every Sunday took over 800 years to put together. Because it's not a quick and straightforward answer to come to know and to understand who Jesus is. I bet if you shared your answers with each other before you left Mass tonight, we probably don't have a consensus among us. Probably should, but I bet we don't. How do we come to know who Jesus is and to know that in our Christian life? The truth of who he is, not just who we think he is, but the truth of who Jesus is. This person who lived in time and in history and did many different things, who is he? C.S. Lewis, a great Christian writer from the last century, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He had this great little argument that he would make, and maybe you've heard it before. Basically, when it comes to Jesus, you have three options. He's either a liar, or a lunatic, or he is the Lord. Because of what Jesus said about himself, of what Jesus said about his relationship to God the Father, and what his witnesses, his disciples, said that he did in the world, it's only one of those three options. Because either he said he was the son of God, and he really wasn't, that would make him a liar. Or he said he's the son of God, and he just thinks he is, but he actually isn't, then he's a lunatic. Or what he says is truth, and then he is the Lord. And there is no other option. How do we come to know who Jesus is? Just think of your favorite celebrity from the present or from the past. 
famous person that you kind of admire for whatever their skills are. How do we come to know them? Well, you might come to know a famous person by what's said about them. Well, lots of different people can have different opinions and different perspectives on this person and tell you about them. But is that really who they are? Maybe you look at their whole body of work, everything that inspired them in doing what they did publicly, looking over their whole lifespan, getting to know their history and their upbringing and all of that, you probably get to know them a little bit better than just what you hear said about them, but would you know them? Maybe you would have a chance in a million, you actually have a conversation with them and you can ask them all the questions that are burning in your mind and in your heart about who they are, what they love, what they hate, all of those things. Would you know them? How about their spouse or their mother and the way that they know them. Where are we with Jesus? In our love for Jesus, is it just from what people have said about him? Who do we listen to? Who has the authoritative word on who Jesus is? Maybe we look at his whole life. We know the scriptures through and through. We know the tradition of the church and what she teaches about him. Yeah, we know him a little bit deeper, but do we know him? Do we come to him in prayer and we converse with Christ in prayer and let him reveal himself to us in our minds and in our hearts? And then when we inevitably struggle with that, who knows him best? His mother, Mary who leads us always to her son. Jesus wants us to come and know him. This is something very unique to the Christian life. That our God incarnate in Jesus Christ wants to be known by us. He doesn't stay distant. He wants to be known. He wants us to have an answer to who do you say that I am? But how do we keep ourselves from going astray? Because it's easy enough to do for us to have a wrong understanding of another person. Right? We can do it with the people that are flesh and blood in front of us, let alone Christ who we have not walked the earth with. It's easy to have a wrong understanding. And really, when we talk about a heresy in the church, a heresy is somebody that remains stubborn about a wrong conviction of who Christ is. How do we know that we're staying on track? We look to Peter today. He makes the confession, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus goes, yes, you've got it, Peter. You know who I am. And then Jesus starts talking to them about how he needs to suffer and to die so that he can rise from the dead three days later. And what does Peter do? He takes Jesus aside and says, re starts rebuking him, saying, you cannot do this. And then we hear the very shocking words from Jesus' mouth, get behind me, Satan. Why would he be so harsh with Peter? And even says in the gospel, looking at his disciples... 
So not only is he rebuking Peter, he's doing it publicly. Peter rebuked Jesus privately at least, but Jesus publicly rebukes Peter and calls him Satan. The only time he does that to anybody in the Gospels. What does Satan mean? Satan means the one who obstructs, the one who opposes. So what is Peter obstructing or opposing? Part of who Jesus is, is the obedient one to the Father, who has to suffer and to die to save us from our sins and open the gates to eternal life so that we can rise again. Here's what Archbishop Fulton Sheen says. I like this quote. He says, Satan may appear in many disguises like Christ, and at the end of the world will appear as a benefactor and a philanthropist. But Satan has never and will never appear with scars. What is Peter opposing? That the Messiah should suffer. One of the ways that we know that we are not off track in who Jesus is and how we live the Christian life, Jesus, by revealing who he is, reveals the pattern. Sacrifice comes before glory. Suffering comes before blessing. If we try to invert it, we do the work of Satan, who can mask himself as a philanthropist and a benefactor. Part of the way that we know who Jesus is is by his wounds. What is the first thing that he does in the resurrection to prove who he is to the apostles? Look at my wounds. This is what comes first. And then Archbishop Fulton Sheen basically dumbs it down to three things. Three things to hold on to, to make sure that we don't go astray in knowing who Jesus really is. First thing he says, the cross is the beginning of something. Like I just said, sacrifice comes first, then God's glory. Why? Because in sacrifice and in suffering, we let go of our own will and we allow the will of God to take place. If we strive for glory and blessing first, it is far too easy for our will to get in the way and not God's. So in Jesus, the cross is the beginning of something. Second, Jesus didn't come wholly out of humanity. Jesus is not just a brother. He's not just a great moral teacher and guru, but he's something more. In the way that he reveals who he is, there is more to him than just a man. He's God. He is fully God, and he is fully man. The third, Jesus didn't just come to give us a moral dictate about how to live a good Christian life. The Jewish people had a moral code already. They didn't need a new one. Jesus didn't come to give a moral code. Jesus came to confront us in the guilt of our sin. It's not first, Jesus didn't come to reveal who he was first to tell us what right and wrong is. That's already written on the human heart. 
Jesus came because he said, I know you know right and wrong, and you choose to do wrong, and I want to meet you in where you are guilty so that I can bring you to the Father. Three things about who Jesus is. Grace begins with the cross. That this is not just another person in human history, but he is the Son of God. And this is not about a moral code. It's about redemption from sin. If we hold on to those three things, we will not go astray in our understanding of Christ and of who he is for us and for the world. But that's a, a struggle. There is no human person that fully knows Christ. Not a single person on earth. We are all striving together to come to know him. And so we go back and forth on this tension. Usually it's a tension between his humanity and his divinity. Right? We think of Jesus as a brother, a man, a moral teacher. We identify with his suffering. He feels very near to us in a brotherly way. Or maybe we tend in the opposite direction. He is the eternal God, creator of all things. He feels very distant because he is all-powerful. He is the one who has risen from the dead. Both of these are true at the same time. How does that practically play out? Well, just think. If Jesus is someone who feels very distant from you, it's going to be very difficult for you to know how he is with you when things are difficult. Because he's always going to feel like that distant God. And so when you are suffering in your life, when you are confused in life about why things are the way that they are, he will feel distant and silent. He's God, you still believe in God, but he will be very far from you. The opposite challenge. If Jesus feels very near to you, you feel very intimate with him, what's the temptation in that? That you forget that he is God. That he's a friend in life, but he has no real power over you. That he's not essentially greater than you. And so he's a companion in your life, but he's not the God who redeems you and saves you from your sin. We need both. And we wrestle back and forth. Fulton Sheen gives us those three things, but here's three practical ways in our Catholic life that we keep from going astray and that we deepen our knowledge of who Jesus is. Simple. The faith of the church. There's a reason we pray the creed every Sunday when we come together. The creed is our profession of faith of who Jesus is. You want to know who Jesus is? Pray intentionally the words of the creed. That's what we profess to believe. That's what the church professes to believe. Two, your own prayer. If you don't pray, you won't know Jesus. If you pray, Jesus will reveal himself to you. Simple. And third, each other. We don't live the Christian life alone. And you know what we're particularly bad at as Catholics? Talking about Jesus with each other. We can talk about the faith. We can talk about devotions, about things that the church teaches. 
How often as Catholics do you talk about Jesus with each other? Who is Jesus for you in sharing that with the person sitting next to you in the pew? Maybe even spouses. Spouses, how often do you talk to each other about Jesus? These are ways that we come to know who Jesus is. The faith of the church, your personal faith and prayer, and the faith of the Christian community together. So I'll end where I started. Who do you say that I am? Do you have an answer in three sentences or less? First, for yourself. Do you know who Jesus is for you? Then, if you had to share that good news, how would you say it to another? And then if you had to say it to somebody who has never really heard the good news of Jesus, how would you say it to them? So for the rest of Mass, before you come and receive Jesus in Holy Communion, ask for the grace to come to know who is Jesus.